Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the platform that's transforming how market-leading sales organizations use Salesforce around the world. Come see us at Dreamforce at any of our four sessions on coaching and be sure to schedule some time with us in our VIP lounge and we'll show you how Salesforce can help you become legendary for all the right reasons. You can find details at xvoyant.com forward slash DF18. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen and remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Haley Katzman, Vice President of Account Development, Enablement, and Growth for HighSpot. Haley joined HighSpot as employee number 14 and the first SDR nearly four years ago. Today, she leads HighSpot's account development team and is one of the fastest-growing enablement technology companies in the world. In addition, Haley leads the enablement and growth teams for HighSpot. These teams are growing fast to fuel HighSpot's growth, and we are so excited to have her join us today. Haley, thanks for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rob. I'm really excited to be here. Haley, your story is super, super unique. We we get a lot of, of really successful sales leaders like you joining our show, um, and, and I can't wait to get into your story because you have a really unique one that's going to be fun for our listeners to hear. But before we get into get into that, could you just very quickly, for those people that have been living under a rock, could you share High Spot's story and what you guys do and, and, and what you're doing there? Yes, absolutely. So um, High Spot is one of the fastest growing startups um, in North America. We're based out of Seattle, Washington. We're a sales enablement platform. And what we focus on is bringing together sales and marketing teams and all of the content, training, and communication that they need to be able to go out and effectively engage their buyers. And then we use machine learning and artificial intelligence to bring back leadership with insightful analytics on what content's being used, how it's engaging their buyers, and what sales best practices are among their teams so that they can go and optimize their business. We have customers um, ranging in many different industries and many different sizes. Um, Some examples are Amazon, Workday, Twitter, Snap, Aetna. Um, so we're helping a lot of companies, both, you know, small startups and global enterprise organizations ensure that their sellers are fully enabled to go and engage their buyers. Yeah. Highspot provides a killer, killer service and a killer, killer technology. And, and I love how you shared some of your customers, some of the little companies we may have heard of here, right? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, so Highspot's crushing and high spots doing some amazing things and and enablement has really emerged as one of the hot hot areas inside of sales right now now what i love about your story isn't just that you're the leader of all three of those teams that are fueling the growth of the company i love that you've been part of the whole ride can you share with our our listeners a little bit about you and, and what's got you to where you are now yeah absolutely so um i started with the company about four years ago, and it was right when we went to market with our platform. So there were about 13 people at the company. 
primarily all engineers. Um, there were um, only two people on the sales and marketing team at the time, and I joined as um, the first SDR. And of course, at a small startup, was wearing multiple different hats. Um, we didn't really have, um, you know, a built-out go-to-market strategy. We didn't have, you know, who our buyer personas were. There weren't any of those, um, you know, things built out. It was really all of this inbound activity um, being that we had just raised our series A and we, we raised a really successful one. So um, it brought a lot of inbound activity. So um, it was actually my first role in um, a SaaS based technology company. I came from uh, first commercial real estate. And prior to that I was in consumer products. And so, you know, everything was very new, the SDR role itself, um, SaaS based um, sales model and um, I really just started hitting the ground running, became a sponge, and spent a lot of time learning about our buyers, being an expert on our product, and really just, you know, took it upon myself to become an expert in all of those areas. And, you know, over the past four years, I've had many, many different roles. I've worn a lot of different hats, um, but have played um, a major role in you know, getting the company where we're at today um, by building out um, uh, our go-to-market strategy, uh, the companies that we target, who are the buyer personas, um, what is, you know, the model of account development, sales, actual process, um, but many different areas. Um, and now, you know, looking, looking back after that four years, have, you know, a team of 45 people, um, almost half the company, um, have built um, an account development representative team synonymous with sales development. Um, that is about 35 people. We have, you know, a, a layer of fantastic management in there as well. And that um, account development team, interestingly, is not only fueling our revenue pipeline, but it's also fueling our people pipeline within our organization. Um, I've had over 18 promotions out of that team and not only just to the sales function, they've gone into um, our services organization, into sales engineering, into account management, into account executive, into enablement, into optimization, into leadership. So it's really been um, a really great journey of building not only, again, that, that pipeline for our organization and that go-to-market strategy, but also you know, that talent pipeline that is feeding our whole company as we continue to grow and scale at a really rapid pace. So I just wrote down a whole slew of notes that's going to drive the rest of this conversation, Haley, based <laughs> on that introduction. I'm super excited okay. for this. The first thing that I want to uh, dive into is you kind of have shared w what you did. So you come in, you're one of the first two marketing and sales related people and you raised a bunch of Series A money, and now we got to show that we can commercialize all this tech that we've been building. I'm, I'm guessing that that's probably yep. what that was like. Am I close? Yes. So yep, you, said some, you said something I wrote down. You said buyers first, product second. Basically, I said I want to learn everything about our buyers, and I want to learn. Then after that, I want to learn everything about our product. How, how do you do that? I mean, what what's the steps you do if you're a sales leader to say I want to make sure I understand our buyers? What did you do? And I'm mm -hmm. guessing you probably continue to stay close to your buyers. As a high growth sales leader, how do you put buyers first? Yeah, it, it's such a good question. And it's so, it's so important. And I absolutely still continue to do that today. Even when you think about, you know, if you aren't a startup company, but you're going to, 
know, expanded to new verticals. You have to still continue to really learn and understand your buyers, especially if they continue to evolve, which they most likely will. So some of the ways, um, one, one really easy way to do it is if you, of course, have existing customers. Now, that was a little bit challenging for us at the time because we didn't have a ton of customers to go and talk to. But we did have, we did have a couple. And so that was the first step. So I sat really closely with our services team that was working with them on a daily basis. And I really tried to understand how are they using the product? What do they like? What do they want to see from a sales enablement product? And who are they? Are they mid-level? Are they executive? What are their pain points? What are their personal motivators? Really trying to understand those elements. And that was something that was really important um, in understanding, you know, who is the end user of your product. And that might not always be the buyer. And that's an, an important distinction to make within organizations. Your buyer might not always be your end user, but you want to see if it is or if it isn't. Mm, I like the that. second piece is that, uh, yeah, it, it's something that people always, um, I think, kind of overlook is that um, your, your buyer could definitely be a different person than your user. So if you're always going to your customers and you're looking at your users, I don't know. That could be the person that's buying your product, but it also just could be a user and you want to be able to distinguish those two things. Hmm. Uh, another um, really great way, once you think that you have identified maybe what the role of the person is. So let's just say, you know, a vice president of marketing might be who one, one of the buyers are. Um, you can really find a lot about that person, you know, through information on the internet. So what I did was I said, hey, I don't want to just learn about all vice presidents of marketing. What I want to do is I want to understand who is our ideal customer from an account level. So do we want technology companies? Do we want manufacturing companies? Do we want life sciences? And really narrow that down because we were so early on. You, I mean, you can go and try and hit everything, but it, you know, in, in my view, it was much more um, you know, of a strategic advantage to you know, narrow who we were going to go after and then really, um, you know, spear hunt instead of, you know, fishing with a net. And so, you know, identifying what types of companies we wanted, and then let's learn about a vice president of marketing in that specific type of company. So let's just say in a company, you know, Concur was one of our customers that was very early on, high growth startup, um, you know, staff based company. And so I really wanted to learn what does, you know, marketing leadership look like within that type of company. So reading LinkedIn profiles, going and looking at job descriptions within companies like those and similar, you can get a lot of information from a job description, what their qualifications are, what their goals are, what language they use, and really building out buyer personas based on who those buyers are and making sure that you have multiple buyer personas because you know that there's going to be multiple people that you're going to have to engage with you know, to ensure that um, you are successfully closing that deal. That is really good. That's, that's, so as I, as I listen to those and I'm writing these down, Haley, um, really good tactics, really, really, uh, make sense as I listen to what you did early on to start to figure out how to, you know, be buyers first. Any kind of things that stand out to you as things that might have been particularly challenging or, or maybe a pitfall that you say, if I, if I had a do over, I wouldn't have done that. Anything that stands out, stands out to you as you look back on that? Um, yeah, I mean, early on, um, so it's really interesting. Early on, we were definitely targeting the wrong persona for us as a business, and we pivoted on that. And I think that um, making sure that when you are 
developing that go-to-market strategy and even as you're refining it to always make sure that you are testing it, A-B testing it. Mm. I think that that's something that I wish that we would have done earlier on. We ended up doing it and it ended up being successful, but you should always be, you know, A-B testing yourself and your overall go-to-market strategy. And I think that that's something that's really important. So you might say, you know, hey, I think that this is always going to be our buyer, but you should always be spending probably 10 to 20% of the time testing out other strategies and other tactics because you don't know if there's just something that you could be completely missing, especially when you really get into the weeds of it. It becomes a lot easier to, you know, kind of get that tunnel vision and you really want to be able to always, you know, methodically step out of that and make sure that you aren't missing anything. So you do all these things and I love that ta- that tactic and I love that trap to avoid. So now I want to like, I'm still back in time. We're in our, we're in our hot tub time machine right now. We're going back and we're looking at <laughs> all these things, right? So you're the hot, you're a producer. You're, you're clearly doing things well. Uh, then you make the shift and now you're, you're getting your first leadership uh, opportunity at high spot. What's the biggest challenge as you shift from producer to leader that you look back and say, man, that was maybe harder <laughs> than I thought. Or, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. I think that the first thing that was really challenging is building out the actual team. So, you know, I think one of the things that's most important as you start, um, you know, as you step into a leadership role is that you really have to take people into this element and you really have to be very intentional about what you want the you know profile of the people that you bring on to look like. How are you going to hire them? How are you going to retain this talent? How are you going to develop these people? And then what is the process and the strategy that's going to be there to support them? There's not always a one size fits all for the type of people that you hire, the strategy that you have, but you really have to figure that out and you have to have clear messaging and clear processes to be able to support you know, the development of those people. So, you know, as a, as a really concrete um, example, you know, for us, we have a much longer sales cycle. We have a very high um, ASP, um, less transactional sales model. And so I had to make sure that not only um, are we recruiting and hiring, you know, top talent, but that we have a process in place that is going to retain this talent. So, you know, I knew that, um, you know, the people that I was bringing on, because I was able to get, you know, very, very top talent through, you know, the recruiting tactics that we had, but that they weren't going to, you know, tolerate sitting in an SDR role for two years where they're just hitting the phones all day because, you know, they are that top level of talent. And so what we did is we actually shifted the account development representative, um, you know, role to actually take it further down the sales process all the way till opportunity. So they're even sometimes doing demonstrations, whereas most of the times you'll see SDRs just setting up meetings. And what that did is it really built um, an organization where we are developing people and giving them the skills and the tactics. And we can actually see which ones would probably be more successful at, you know, going into that AE role. We have the luxury of doing that because we have a longer sales cycle. Um, in a very highly transactional sales process, you might not be able to do that. But I think like the biggest piece is that you have to be three steps ahead when you start building out a management team and you have to always be looking at, well, if we do it this way or we do it this way, what is the result going to be? And I think the biggest element is, you know, the people, the culture that you build and making sure that, you know, the strategy and the process supports, 
you know, whatever you want to happen with those people. Yeah. Now I love this. When you talked about the, one of the big challenges moving from an individual contributor to being a leader was how you build out and develop the team. And you, you talked about getting the right talent, retaining the right talent, developing the right talent. Let's sit on this development of talent concept for a few minutes, if that's okay. Sure. Um, you brought yeah. it up earlier on developing people. And, and one of the things that you've mentioned twice so far in our conversation, Haley, was that you gave people a, like a well-lit pathway to what their career path looks like, it sounds like. And yep. Was it hard to get buy-in from other parts of the organization to say, listen, we're going to promote and develop from within rather than just continue to go on the outside? <laughs> it sounds like you've got some, some support from people to say, I'm going to get you great people and we've got to give them other things that they can do here for the company rather than have them be here for three years. What, what, what was that? <clears throat> thing? Yeah, that, that um, has been and will always continue to be an ongoing challenge. I think I was really fortunate that, you know, working with, um, our CEO, he, you know, when I did, you know, sell that to him and, you know, kind of, you know, actually show the proof is, you know, in the pudding when I did have someone successfully go into the role, he really did, you know, begin to believe in it. And now it's really he and I that, you know, have to advocate for that within the entire organization. Um, I would say early on, it was absolutely a challenge because, you know, it was kind of looking at my story. You know, you, you took a bet on someone early on in their career, doubled down and look at the success that I've brought in. And then now I'm asking to do that for others within the organization. So you really have to advocate for your people. You have to make sure that you are bringing in great talent, that you are setting them up for success to go into those roles. But then I have, I had and have to do a ton of selling and advocating for those people to go into, you know, those roles. The first one was, you know, moving into, you know, an account executive role, which is, you know, a very, um, you know, obvious kind of path. It's a more common one, if you will. Um, the next was management. Like, why should we take, you know, someone that I brought in as, you know, an account development representative and put them into a manager role with no management experience. And even today, you know, I just had someone move into, you know, our services organization and someone move into sales engineer, every single time we're paving that new path, I have to go in and um, advocate. Not that necessarily today I'm having to fight for it. I definitely had to fight for it early on. Um, but a large part of it is making sure that um, me on my end, that I am really identifying the right talent for that role and that I'm actually helping pave that path for them. So it's absolutely a challenge and it's something that um, I probably spend 20% of my job advocating for people to move into those different career paths and positions. So I love that you've been able to go and get support inside your organization. And cause that's a really common mm -hmm. reason. I mean, you already know this, that there's a ridiculously high percentage of salespeople, 68% according to Glassdoor say they're, they're actively looking for their next job right now. And yep, one, of the, yep. one of the top drivers of that is I don't see career progression in a way that makes sense to me. So it's awesome yep. that you say not that's not how it's going to be at high spot. We're not going to lose good people for that reason. So that's the first part. Yep. The second part is how do you then say we're going to take an active role in developing you as a person so you can fill these? I, I have to imagine that takes a lot of effort. That's not accidental. That's got to be intentional. How do you intentionally develop these people on your team? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. So I would say that, you know, the managers that I have on the account development team, so I have, I have four right now. They each have, um, the goal is to have like a six to eight, six or eight to one ratio. 
um, they are absolutely critical in this. And so my training them is a huge piece. Um, what I would say is that one important piece is that when I select who those managers are, I am not just selecting who the top performers are. I am selecting people that I think will be great leaders in helping develop others. That takes a different set of traits than just being a top performer. So I need to know that they, you know, are able to empathize, that they have great coaching skills, that they um, are um, able to have really great self-awareness, that they're able to read the people on their team and pivot their coaching style based on each individual. So having that manager level in place is extremely important and that we all work together as one unit instead of me just managing a bunch of individual managers. That's one big piece. And then what I would say is that um, I always say for the, and, and this is probably rare for sales development teams, but I always say if I have to micromanage the people on the account development team, then it's not a good fit. So if you bring in a really high level of talent, then what I'm expecting from the managers on my team is a large part of them is developing the people on their team. So understanding what are their skills, what are their areas of weaknesses, and what things can we develop and what things are just you know, ones where we need to just make sure it's not going to prevent them from being able to move forward. So if someone is really great on time management, um, they're really great at managing their pipeline. They are extremely proactive. They are, you know, very fearless on the phones and in their meetings. That could be a great role person for, you know, an account executive. If the person is conversely an extreme expert on the product, they're great at building relationships, not as much on, you know, like the time management and not as much of a hunter, if you will, then it could be the case that if they are really passionate about the product, that they could be a great fit for a sales engineer and they could partner really well with an account executive. So it's really about uncovering what are those, you know, skills and traits that they have and what are those weaknesses and how can we, you know, bring out the strengths and kind of, you know, help out in the areas of the weaknesses to make sure that they do have that, you know, career path um, for growth. So I'm not surprised to hear you go to coaching. Uh, so many of our of our, the leaders that get on the show, they, they talk about that. Do you have any kind of thoughts on what makes for great coaching since, you know, now that you brought that up? Yep, absolutely. I think great coaching, a big piece of it um, is really, A, being on the floor and actually listening to what's going on with your team. So, you know, getting into calls with them, um, getting into their emails, getting into, um, you know, whatever the activity is that they're doing and really understand what they are, what they are doing on a daily basis. And then a big piece of coaching is really not telling them exactly what they should be doing differently, but helping them, guiding them to the point where they can identify where the coaching opportunities are. If you just kind of talk at someone then it's not always going to be the case that they're going to listen, but you really have to explain the why and help them arrive at the answer. And then that's where I think that we see it click the most. So we really, you know, stress to have in the coaching, how do we get them to understand where the weakness is and how they can improve it rather than just, you know, kind of shoving it down their throat. So that's a really, really cool distinction. And like I said, we've had a lot of people talk coaching. You're probably the first one that, that brought that last point on uh, helping the the reps maybe get to the point. The word I use here as I listen to is kind of self-assess or and, and see yep. where that area of opportunity for improvement is. 
Any best practices on yes. how you help them do that so they don't feel – I loved your terminology, shoving it down their throat. No one wants to have yeah. force feeding. <laughs> how, do, how do you get your reps to the point where they, they don't feel like it's force fed? Um, so I think that one of the things that we do really well, like in my coaching sessions with my managers, is that when we go through each person, we really look at how does this person take feedback? So we'll say, is it direct or is it indirect? Two usually very different people between those two things. Um, what motivates them? And how do they learn? So are they someone that learns, you know, visually? Are they learn? Do they learn from doing? Do they learn from hearing? What are the different ways that they learn? And then based on those elements, then we will kind of put together a plan on how to get that person to really have that, um, that self-awareness and for them to understand, you know, kind of the why behind um, what they're doing. So um, as an example, if someone is, um, you know, if someone is someone that likes direct feedback, then it's much easier to say, okay, I want you to think about what is the best way that we're going to accomplish A or B. If they're indirect, it's much more about explaining them the why and going through if this happened then maybe you would have a better result in this way conversely you're doing this today and this is the result that we're seeing let's think about some ways that we can improve that so you have to approach it in two very different ways and then what motivates them you have to really understand are they money motivated are they motivated by recognition are they motivated um you know by um just hitting a goal number um, I know that we put together a plan with someone that was not as much motivated towards money, but motivated more by, you know, recognition and um, by really learning from peers where we put together specific competitions that were, hey, you get to go and have lunch with the CEO. And so then that person was, A, listening because they're super motivated. And then they were ready to, you know, retain coaching information. And we were able to say, okay, I know you really want to win this competition. I know you want to, you know, go and have lunch with the CEO what are some ways that you think that we could help you in this area? And then we kind of guide them to that process. So I think that when you kind of understand, are they direct or indirect feedback, what motivates them and what's their learning style, then you can kind of put together, you know, a specific plan on helping them get to, you know, that coaching moment. Really good, uh, really good tip for everyone. I, I, I hope that, I hope that everybody's going to take note of that one. The fact this is worth going back and listening to again, Haley, it, it builds another question for me, and, and I'm sorry that I'm keeping diving deeper and deeper, but you have a lot of depth. I love the depth that you have in this topic, and so I, I think this is super important for our listeners. How important is it to do what you just said and have the reps take an active part in assessing their strengths and weaknesses rather than just hearing about it from the leaders? Is, is it a difference maker when they get to the point that they're taking an active role? Oh yeah, it's it's absolutely critical. It's it's absolutely critical and it's actually something that we look for when promoting, like how self-aware is the person? Because what you'll see is that the people that are self-aware, they will grow at a much faster rate. They will develop at a much faster rate than others. And it is a completely different coaching style that you have to have for someone who is aware of their weaknesses and strengths and someone that is not. And so I would say not only is it critical to use that approach with coaching, but it's also critical to be able to determine which of the people on the team do have the ability to self-assess or have that self-awareness because you have to take a completely different approach with those two, two people. Well, that's awesome. What a nugget that is. That's a super good nugget for everybody that's listening and says, hey, if I want to be a leader, I better be self-aware. And if I am a leader and I want to develop people, 
one of the best best things that you, we can help them get is self-awareness. Am, am I, am I getting that right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And we actually did a really cool thing where we did, you know, for our performance reviews that we do on a quarterly basis, so a little bit more in depth than the one-on-one where they, um, we took kind of qual and quant areas. So let's just say, you know, objection handling as maybe one of the, you know, qualitative ones um, or competitive knowledge. And we put together a survey where they rank themselves one through um, 10 in those areas. And then we're actually able to look at, you know, their performance, how, you know, we would rank them on there. And then we were actually able to determine between the two, what is their level of self-awareness? And that was a really good tool that, you know, then the managers had to be able to go and coach their team. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the clock and I'm laughing how fast the time has gone with you. I felt like it would, like we're, I'm going to be in this, Alice in Wonderland <laughs> rabbit hole with you that I, I just see so many things I want to talk about. I'm looking at my notes. Some of the non-negotiables that you've given me is, you know, your success buyers were first. Then you talked about developing the team. We spent a little time on coaching. As you kind of look at your non-negotiables for having a team that's in high growth mode, besides those three, what else do you say? These are really critical pieces of a team that's experiencing high growth. Um, I would say that, it is really, really, really important that there is alignment between marketing and account development and sales. Um, it, it can cause a lot of problems or a lot of hesitation um, in the growth if there is not alignment between those functions. Um, I would say that's one element. And then I would say making sure that you have um, a process in place where you can measure results and optimize based on those things. Um, and then I think the last one that I would say is that you have a really great training and enablement um, uh, strategy in place to not only support the initial onboarding and training, but to provide ongoing training and enablement on the product, on the buyers um, throughout that high growth period, because you're going to have so much change inherently um, to what the business looks like. All right. So those three are all their own 30 minute podcast. To be. <laughs> yep. right. I mean, they all are. And so, uh, I, I, I don't even feel like I can get into all of them other than those. You just gave us a killer list of six. I already said the first three alignment of marketing and account development. Uh, and, and let's go each of these one at a time, just top of mind, you know, so alignment of marketing development, any best practices on how you make sure that happens? Yeah, so I would say one thing that's really important is, <clears throat> excuse me, making sure that the um, inbound, outbound um, strategy, whether you have them separate, whether you have them together, we have them blended, making sure that the two of those, you are not fighting against each other, but you're working together to drive the right, um, you know, leads or accounts, whichever you're using through the pipeline, and making sure that the process is set up so that you don't um, have to point fingers that you truly are working together. Okay, good one. Let's go to the next one. I, I'm sorry I'm going fast, but these are too good for me to just say thanks for giving them to me and move along. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm just asking for, for one like top of mind. Next one, you know, this process of measuring results that you talk about. Any top of mind on how you do that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So you want to make sure that you are measuring um, conversion and velocity throughout the entire funnel and you want to make sure that um, you are um, looking at not only what is helping us, you know, what are the conversions, the positive conversions, but what, why are we losing in certain areas? So it's very important to look at 
you know, as an example, recycle reasons at certain stages. Why are we losing in these areas? Is there an area for improvement? Is there not? And then you want to absolutely compare um, over, you know, as an example, via pri uh, prior month, but also year over year so that you can know this um, trends, especially with, you know, seasonality um, that you might um, that you might need to look at for, you know, high growth organizations. Really cool. That, in fact, that's a, that, that is a topic that's close to my heart that I'd love to uh, talk to you more about in maybe another episode someday, because I think that that yeah. might be one of the best predictors of ongoing success is if you get what you just said, right. That the yep. last one, you said you got to have a killer training and enablement, not just, just for onboarding purposes, but I loved how you said it, it might be more important on what you do post onboarding because there's so much change. Yep. Top of mind, how the heck do you do that? And how do you make sure people understand that change means we're doing well rather than change means we're in trouble? Yep, absolutely. I think that so many people focus on that initial onboarding and training, and they do not focus on that ongoing just-in-time learning. And especially if you're in an industry or in a company where there is a lot of growth and there is a lot of change, new competitors, new product lines, um, you know, new um, persona that you're going and selling to. You want to make sure that you are training your tenured reps and maybe even your new ones that have already gone through that initial onboarding. I think one of the things that we've seen to be most successful is putting together um, plays that are just in time training that are where the reps live and that you can um, provide them with, you know, the content, the training, the, you know, resources, to stay um, on top of, you know, that, whether it's competitive insights or new product insights so that they can go out and engage the buyers. And then, um, you know, particularly important is being able to, you know, measure and, and optimize, you know, what, what you're doing in that area. So, you know, if I think about us internally, if we have, you know, we're going to go into, let's just say a new vertical, how do we ensure that all of our reps have, you know, messaging on talking to, let's just say, life sciences or financial services type companies and how is the messaging going to change and how are we making sure that they are up to date on all of that information. That's super, super important. Otherwise you're basically leaving behind all of your reps that have been hired, you know, prior to your new messaging. Oh, these are good. I can see why you now are responsible for all of the growth related stuff for what's going on in, in high spot. Your, your insights are good and, and when I hear all these things that you're bringing together, I, I, it's got to be that what you've created is a pretty well-aligned uh, growth organization. I'm not even going to call it a sales organization. I'm going to call it a growth organization. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that and, is and, correct. And and a big alignment with, you know, um, I, you know, I sit next to our VP of marketing, our VP of sales, and we are all in really great alignment, both on, you know, the strategy perspective, but also from the people development perspective, which has been, which has been awesome. So, we are officially, uh, we've come up at the end, but I, I finish every episode with kind of the same two things. Uh, the first one that I want to ask you is, as you look over your leadership uh, career, and, and you've done some amazing things, when you look back, what's the biggest challenge you faced as a high-growth sales leader? And, and the backside of it is, how did you attack that challenge? I think that one of the biggest challenges um, that we face is, you know, is really there could be, you know, people within the organization that might want to run it in a completely different way. And I think that making sure that you have um, a really 
solid team of people that you're working around and that you have a solid team of people that you're bringing onto the company and that you advocate for your people and maintain the, the culture and the, you know, strategy that you believe will, you know, take the company in the right direction. I think that there's always so many things that can come into play to say, no, we should do it this way. No, we should do it this way. Or why would we ever do it this way? And I think it's always about having, you know, the, of course, the data to back it up, but really making sure that you are advocating for your people and that you do have a strong people, team of people around you to go in the direction that you believe is right for the company. I think that's, that's probably um, one of the, the biggest pieces of advice that I would give. Great advice. Great tactic. I, I love it. We'll finish this the way we finish every one. We found that not always, but very, very often, uh, leaders are readers. Uh, we really are looking to learn and up our game and, and find what's next. Any books that have really been helpful to you that you think every sales leader ought to, ought to consume at some point? Oh yeah. So many. I'll have to, I'll have to follow up and send you a, a whole long list of them. I think for, <laughs> um, I, I think for, um, sales leaders specifically, um, one that I, one that I really liked that, um, is actually great for just sales people in general, but I think that it applies to, um, you know, kind of this notion that I said of, you know, sticking kind of with your guns when you're, um, you know, building out a team. Um, Never Split the Difference is a really great book, and it just talks about, you know, negotiation and how to look at um, negotiation um, tactics. And I think that it's really great to have a good understanding of that because I always say I'm having to, you know, not only sell our platform, but I'm really having to constantly, you know, on a daily basis, sell within my own organization. And it's really important to know how to sell and how to negotiate effectively if you want to, you know, get things accomplished within your own business. Great recommendation. We'll add it to our list. Um, you'd be surprised how many people reach out to me, Haley, and, and tell me that these recommendations on books, people put them straight into their cart and buy them. And uh, so many people tell me how <laughs> awesome. these, these recommendations are big deals for them. So thank you for sharing that one. And we're out of time. We're done. And as you think back to the things we've talked about and the things you've accomplished in creating just such a high performing team at, at high spot, anything jump out that would be like kind of final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners on things that will help you have continued success as a high growth sales leader? Um, I would say that, you know, the most important part is um, the people. If you don't have the right people in place to, you know, build out a successful company, then you make, you know, it kind of an uphill battle for yourself. So I would say that, you know, for all the sales leaders, you know, whether you're smaller, whether you're a large organization, stay very, very involved in the recruiting process um, and don't lower your bar. You'll see a lot of people start to talk to people about lowering the bar. Um, keep the bar high on the people that you bring in and make sure that you are developing and advocating for those people. Um, and then you'll make all of the other things that we talked about a whole lot easier on yourself. Awesome. 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 This has been a fantastic conversation. Haley, thank you so much. And, and how do our listeners get more from you? How do they follow you? How do they learn more about you and high spot both? How, how do they get more? Absolutely. So um, we are very, very active on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to reach out to me. So um, find me on LinkedIn, find me on Twitter, um, Haley Katzman on Twitter. Um, but LinkedIn is probably the best way to get a hold of me, send me a message. I'm happy to walk through with anyone some of the strategies and how they could, you know, be catered specifically for their business. Okay. She's Haley Katzman. She has driven 
the growth of forget about the fastest growing enablement technology in the world. She's driving the growth of one of the fastest growing software companies in North America. Uh, for, and I also say forget about being vice president of all those things. I'm just going to call her chief alignment officer at High Spot right now. <laughs> Haley, thanks so much for joining us. And, 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 and I just hope that you continue to have such great things happen. We appreciate it on behalf of the thousands of listeners that are going to download this. Thanks for sharing a few of your insights and happy selling. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed speaking with you today. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down the interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And I'm really appreciative to Haley for coming in and talking to us today because it's not often that you meet someone who joined a company as employee number 14, SDR number one, and then just a few years later, they're the fastest growing or one of the fastest growing software companies in North America. And she's now responsible for all of account development, growth, and enablement. So it's interesting because her perspective is different. It's not just one thing. She's got this kind of integrated leadership role. And it was very clear to me as I talked to her that she's about a lot more than sales. She's trying to build a growth organization, not just simply hit a sales number. And I think that that perspective changes the lens that she looks through and not just who she hires, but also how she works with people and asks her managers to work with people as well. The conversation with Haley really reminded me of a dinner um, meeting I had several years ago with some business uh, acquaintances. And we, yeah, I'm a really simple guy. I'm a meat and potatoes guy. And they had me at some really fancy French restaurant. And we ordered something off a tasting menu. This guy said, I got it. And he ordered a tasting menu. There was four of us there. I think it was 13 or 14 courses. And they brought a small portion of everything for each of the four of us. And at one point, they had something come that they got very excited about. It was called foie gras. And I can't even say it, foie gras, okay? And I asked what it was, and the one guy got really excited and told me how they take geese or ducks, they put them in a small cage, their head sticks out, the neck sticks out, and they stick these tubes down their throats, and they force feed them five to ten times more than they'd ever eat on their own. And as a result, the liver engorges, and that then has become a delicacy. Now, that messed with my head. All I could think of is, who would ever think of such a thing? And I wanted to hate it, but I have to admit it wasn't bad. And I thought, I could actually like this. But the rest of that night, I kept thinking about that. And when Haley started talking about how they don't force feed and the, the danger of force feeding reps, I went back to that uh, French restaurant where I was inter- introduced to foie gras. And she was really clear in her mind that too many sales leaders hammer people with what the leader wants to see. And they rarely individualize the person's individual improvement plan. And she wanted nothing to do with that. And I think she's right because when we take that force-fed approach for salespeople, um, I think just like force-feeding that goose doesn't get that goose in a place that they want to be. I mean, that's why you got to force-feed them is they never eat that much. Force-feeding a sales rep rarely gets you the great outcome you want either. And so Haley spent tons of time talking about self-awareness and self-correction. If you go back and listen, there's a, that's, a, that's a theme that goes all the way through it. And she says she works hard with her managers to get them self-aware in their coaching, but also help each rep get self-aware on a number of different things so they can create these well-lit pathways to success that are different for every single person. The reason this is important is she realizes that she was the pipeline, not just for the revenue, but the pipeline for the people. A huge number of the promotions and the jobs are filled by people that she has brought in and got them educated to how high spot works, and then they go on to do other things. 
because they have this big belief that there's other ways they're going to help the company, they've created great self-awareness around career path and required skills and personal weaknesses and maybe missing missing things that they need to develop and, and then maybe more important, why those things matter, how they can help the company and, and the really specific ways that people depend on those different roles to be filled. And because our team's not force-fed, I believe that that's why the concept of self-correction and self-assessment is so positive for them. They're growing in ways they're excited about. Uh, the individuals are looking forward for the next area of growth, and the results speak for themselves. And I think that's why Haley said, if I have to micromanage, then it just isn't a good fit. So you heard her six non-negotiables. It starts with focus on buyers, develop a team, and she was really intentional about who you get, how you develop, how you retain. Uh, a lot about coaching, you know, and how coaches need to be active, involved in the process, and actually listening and getting into the activities and really focused on self-correction and, and explaining the why for every part of the process and, and really coming back to self-awareness being the number one driver for their coaching. That then leads to the next three where her, her, one of her non-negotiables is you got to have great alignment between the growth organization and marketing so you can really be a growth organization. Um, real emphasis on measuring results. And finally, training and enablement is an ongoing thing, not just a initial certification or uh, ramping up thing. I, I loved everything about this, and, and there's no reason to doubt that the success that they're having at High Spot is going to do anything except for accelerate. Because as they get more people on board that are self-correcting and intentionally driving their growth, all that's going to happen is the growth organization will grow. And I think that's a great way to finish, is don't just be a sales leader, be a growth leader. Let's not have just a sales plan, let's have a growth plan. And as we help grow the people, the people will help grow the company. And that's what led Haley from being SDR number one to now being the leading executive in the company on growth enablement and account development. I believe that because she had that opportunity to grow, she wants to provide that same opportunity for others. I think it's a great example for each of us on how to do it right. I think that High Spot's a company we're going to want to keep our, our eyes on as we watch what they do. I'd like to remind you to go back and listen to the interview over and over again because there's such great things here. And I want to thank each of you for the uh, great feedback that we're getting on the show. So please share it, comment, tell others to listen to it. But above all, remember, don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.